Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 102 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony, and we are happy to be back with you for another week of the Beers and Bible Podcast. Yes, sir. How you doing, doing, man? Ah, man, I'm okay. Uh, Today, let's see what happened today. Um, Oh, no, back up. So last night, we had a uh, Fields of Faith event that... um, we provided the sound system for for the company I work for that makes uh-huh. loudspeakers. Um, we provided the sound system for this Fields of Faith event. And so it was like me and one of the other guys in the office went and set up and tore down and drove back. It was like an hour and a half away from the office. So we got – I mean, I got, I got home at like almost 11 last night. Dude, that's rough. And then I uh, get up this morning and my son is sick. So I'll go into the office – and uh, work for work from there for about four hours, and then come home and finish out the day from home and take care of him. So nice. So I'm tired. Nice. I think that's uh, that, that's that's a long way to say. I think I'm just tired, dog. <laughs> just just tired. I, yeah, man, I can feel that. So it's how, been, uh, how about you, man? It's been a long week for me too. It seems like I've uh, I've had something to do almost every day, kind of uh, in the midst of work and and after work or before work and. So I just kind of felt like I've been going a lot mm-hmm. the last few days. Um, but uh, for us as a podcast, it's uh, kind of exciting days. Um, we've been waiting at least a week or two to officially announce that we uh, have joined on with the Recovering Fundamentalist guys and the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast network. Um, we did. We bum, got bum, to do bum, the episode. Bum. Super fun. Um we got to do the interview with them a few weeks ago, and I think we talked about that. But um, we are super excited. We actually had uh, a bunch of us uh, got together the other night on a phone call. I guess it wasn't a phone call. It was a Zoom call. Um, just talking. Uh, got to see some other faces of other podcasts who are in the network and uh, found out that one of them is like 30 minutes from where I live down here in South Alabama. So I was like, that's really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That we're thirty minutes apart, and uh, and we're now we're in the same network that's nowhere near where we are. Yeah. So it's it's cool how God kind of pulls those things together. Um, that's what He does, yeah, man. That's what He does. It's called providence. We've talked about that a few times. So yeah. But yeah, we're happy. Uh, we're excited to be a part of that network. Excited about what that's gonna gonna mean uh, for us. So be on the lookout. Um, Excited to contribute to that network. Uh, I think it's a, it's a great thing what they're doing. The if you don't know the recovering fundamentalists, there a lot of those guys are coming out of uh, independent fundamental Baptist churches, which is mm-hmm. um, your well. I, I'll just let you Google it, and and listeners, if if you're if you're here because of the RFP, then you know what we're talking about. If you're a longtime B and B listener, then. Uh, just Google independent fundamental Baptist churches and enjoy all of it. Just enjoy it because it's fun. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> it could also be incredibly frustrating. <laughs> yes, yes, it can. <laughs> yes, it can. Um, but a lot of their a lot of their podcasts are kind of based out of that. But they have a few, uh, and they branched out a little bit with us. But it's uh, it's a bunch of folks who have really a lot of different views. I mean, there there's probably a few podcasts that don't necessarily agree with everything we do, but we come together in the in the spirit of cooperation and and just furthering the gospel, uh, which is what uh, we all want to do. So yeah. that's uh, that's the reason Michael and I started this podcast. Um, and so yeah, there we go. That's our that's our big exciting news that we've had. Um, I feel like we've been teasing that for like three months. Yeah, yeah, we have. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it was it was you know it it was uh it was a long time coming getting uh kind of just talking with those guys about about how to do it and what to do and just uh how to approach the topic so it was uh yeah. it was a lot of fun but we're we're excited about that and those guys and uh i think it's time that we should do what we do which is crack open a beer uh enjoy some refreshment and uh and talk about the bible let's so do it Michael, man what beer do you have for tonight? So tonight I have from the Pipeworks Brewing Company based in Chicago, Illinois. I have the Spice Latte, um, which is a pumpkin spice latte oat ale. Okay. Um, so it's, you know, end of October. This will come out first week of November. So it's that time of year for the nice, pumpkin yes. spice latte kind of thing. So. Um, White college girls everywhere are going yeah. crazy right now. If they're old enough to drink <laughs> beer, they can have this. Um, so ABV uh, ABV of 6.8% and uh, no IBUs according to Untapped. Uh, Pipeworks website actually didn't have like a listing of all their beers on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, But it, uh, Untapped describes it as um, a pumpkin spice latte, oat ale with pumpkin, dark matter coffee, milk, sugar, vanilla, cinnamon, nutmeg, and ginger. So we'll see. There's a lot going on there, Um, but very fall-looking beer. And as it's fall season, I mean, I went and I bought pumpkins today for our front porch. So (laughs) um, we bought ours the other day and and carved them on Sunday. Yeah, so we've got pumpkins on the front porch, and I'm going to drink a pumpkin beer upstairs tonight. So that's what I've got. Anthony, what are you drinking? I have from the... Against the Grain uh, Brewery. This is a new brewery, and against my better judgment, this is a double IPA. Um, but I have—I was in the store, just everything looked normal to me, and this can kind of caught my eye. Um, I'm going to have to change the name of this beer a little bit uh, because of the rules of our podcast. <laughs> uh, but this is the Citra Donkey Down, and if you're familiar with the King James Version of the Bible, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh <laughs> The Citra Donkey Down uh, Double IPA from Against the Grain Brewery. Um, Their description on this is probably one of the best that I've heard. On their website, it says, This beer is not candy or mother's milk. It is not brewed by gypsies or aliens, nor does it contain zombie dirt. This is a double IPA brewed with Citra hops. It's sticky, hoppy, and delicious. Simply sit down and enjoy it. Don't hoard this beer. Citra, beep, down and drink it right now. So, all right then. <laughs> there's what it is. It comes in at eight uh, percent ABV, Ooh. and and it's a double IPA. So uh, I may double not like it, but we're gonna find out. Well, there's only one way to find out, and that's to crack them open and see what we get. That's right. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. It actually doesn't smell as hoppy as I was anticipating. Mine smells like a coffee shop. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that if I had your beer, it would automatically be getting like one Luther or maybe two. Because I loathe pumpkin spice. I hate everything about it. Anything that has the words pumpkin spice in it, I hate it. See... Pumpkin, like pumpkin flavored things, are like pumpkin pie is one of my favorite things. Yeah, there. I mean, that's pretty pale. That is. You can see it. Mine's actually not too different from yours. This is very sweet. It has a very bready smell. Yeah. I can this definitely, has, I can definitely smell like three of the things for sure. Yeah, this one has a little more citrusy flavor, I think, than the than the hot hop smell so well let's turn them up let's drink them let's go for it let's see how they taste bottoms up cheers <laughs> i feel like i should let you go first this week because you have the most interesting beer okay so mine is actually not terrible okay um the f- it tastes like pumpkin pie filling okay and if you like pumpkin pie, then this thing's going to be right up your alley. Well, dang on. Um, I mean, it. it's, I mean, I don't know how else to describe it other than, I mean, it's pretty smooth. It's not overly sweet, but it's not 
bitter or anything. None of the flavors overstep each other. Yeah. Um, I take that back. Pumpkin's pretty pretty strong. Yeah. The pumpkin spice flavor, but I mean that's I mean it's a pumpkin spice thing. So um, true to its name. All that's <laughs> all that's uh all that being said. I am going to give this. I'm going to give the spice latte. I'm going to give it four Luthers. I think. I nice. think it's. I think it's a four Luther beer. Four Luthers. Um. Yeah. It's not, um. Flavors are good. Textures good. Yeah. Um. I'm kind of curious what it would have been like. Like right out of the fridge cold. We've been up here for a few minutes and I. Yeah. So and my glass wasn't cold, so it was like. Ah, oh, boo. Yeah. It's two weeks in a row, man. I can't remember to put a glass in my fridge. So, but yeah, four out of five four on the five. spice latte oat ale from uh, Pipeworks Brewing. Well, there you go. the uh, The double IPA is actually not quite as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, oh boy! Yeah, it's it's definitely not five. Uh, it's definitely Aww. not more than four. Boo! Uh, I think I think the citrusy flavor kind of cuts cuts into the hops a little bit um and gives it more of a tart flavor than it does like that bitter bitter hoppy flavor okay um so it's not bad it's not great because i'm admittedly not a huge fan of ipas um but in the whole scheme of ipas this one this one is pretty pretty good so i'm gonna give it three and a half luthers Okay. It's it's uh you know, we've done the whole four Luthers thing and, and kinda feel like four Luthers is the best IPA that you can get, except for that one time we gave it you gave one five and I gave one four and a half. Um but yeah, this one's good. If you like IPAs, I think you'll like this one. It does mm-hmm. have that it definitely has that IPA kind of feel to it, but the citrus flavor gives it just a little bit different. Something a little bit different. Okay. So three and a half Luthers. Hey, that's not too bad against the grain uh, on the IPAs. I'm, I'm admittedly not a fan, but I wanted to try it just so I could say I did. Uh, so the Citra Donkey Down, <laughs> it's fun to say that. <laughs> I don't know. It's fun to say it that way. <laughs> it's going to get three and a half Luthers. I hope they don't get mad at me for for changing. I feel like, uh, I feel like what's his name? The guy that changed John Mark. Oh, I feel like David Crowder when he changed John Mark McWillan's uh, sloppy When he changed how he kids. loves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I always think it's sloppy wet kiss. I don't care. <laughs> Team sloppy wet. So there you go. There's a couple of beers. Uh, three and a half on the against the grain from Anthony and four Luthers on the spice latte from Pipeworks from Michael. Um, that's some beer reviews. We're going to dive into Lamentations chapter two. We're going to lament chapter two right after this break. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are going to dive into Lamentations chapter 2 tonight. We're going to lament a little bit more. We're going to walk through this process um, that we have been talking about, and we're going to see how uh, Mark really has uh, has really hit the nail on the head here. You know, he, he talked about these, these four steps, and we're going to see them all played out tonight um, as we dive into chapter 2. Yeah, I imagine that's going to be a recurring theme in the rest of Lamentations it's, is each chapter is going to do the whole process. Yeah, it's kind of like Mark researched it and wrote a book about it and knew what he was talking about when he wrote the book so that two idiots could talk about the book that he wrote. What? That's crazy. <laughs> crazy talk, crazy talk. So That's nuts. Okay, here well, we go. Let's here we roll. Go. We're going to dive into this, and we're going to do it a little bit differently. Instead of kind of reading um, in the onset, we're going to... We're going to intro, and then we're going to read each section as we talk about it. Okay, so let's, you know, let's talk about Chapter 2. Chapter 2, if you've read the Book of Lamentations, Chapter 2 is probably the heaviest 
mm-hmm. chapter in this book. I mean, it is. There are points where you're like, yikes. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it starts off. The Lord has overshadowed the daughter, or overshadowed the daughter's ion with his anger. I mean, you know where this is going from the outset. That yeah. this is going to be rough. Yeah, I mean the the majority of chapter two is much less to do with what Jerusalem has done. Yeah. You know, but it's more about what God is doing to Jerusalem. Yeah. It's... And God has, I mean, yes, you know, some of it was merited or all of it was merited. Uh-huh. Um, but chapter two is all about what God is doing to Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. And he, it's nuts. And, yeah. And he talks about it from the beginning. Um, you learn that God is going to bring his wrath um, and he's going to bring it against Jerusalem directly. And mm-hmm. over and over again, you you see that it's God actually doing it, um, and, you know, by whatever means He chooses, whether it's Babylon or or the, however the destruction comes in, God yeah. is the one orchestrating it. Which we're going to dive into that later, but that that's an important thing to note is that that even though there's enemies there, God is the one who is in control of the situation ultimately. And, yeah. and Lamentations 2 paints that picture for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so this chapter is really about corporate sorrow. It's, you know, they, it's really talking to Jerusalem as a whole. It's not really, you know, singling out an individual person or a prophet mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's, it's the group. It's the people that, that they're really, that God is saying, I'm coming against you, plural you, um, and and you can see that all throughout this chapter, and mm-hmm. you know, just as kind of a reminder from where we've been, lament is not just about sorrow in the circumstances of your life. Lament is a is an expression of the sins, because it, you know it's important to remember all of this is brought about because of the sin of Israel, and so you know these are direct consequences of the sin of Israel and and you know a lot of times we think about anytime you're sorrowful or anytime you're kind of agonizing in pain it's usually because something bad has happened to you that that may or may not have been outside of your control you know you mm-hmm. lose a loved one or you get a you know like a terminal disease um, diagnosis from a doctor you know there that's the circumstances that we often equate with lamenting but we need to lament over our own sins. You know, I think yeah. I think it was uh, who was the mortification of sin. Who is that? John Owen. John Owen talks about the more you know, be killing sin, and and that's that that lamenting process is really about killing your sin. And you see that uh, a prime example of that is Psalm fifty one. Yeah. Um, you know, Nathan confronts David over his sin with Bathsheba, and and there you are. You know, you're you're in this lament that that uh, Psalm 51 really kind of is, um, and and David David basically has to lament, and then he in the process of that lament, you get like Psalm 51 9 and 10, create in me a clean heart of God and renew a red a steadfast spirit or a right spirit within me, um, and so we see this process, and this is what we're going to see as we dive into chapter two. Um, and I love this quote that, that was in uh, one of the commentary that we're kind of drawing from, but it says, A wicked seed grew a wicked weed. Sin has mm. results. No sin is committed in a void of consequence. Mm. I, just, I, I think that's really important to, to understand because yeah. that's, that's exactly where Israel is. All right, so coming off of that, you know, the no sin is committed in a void of consequence. Mm-hmm. We kind of have this pattern of not just life, but our walk with Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. We have um, in the the commentary we're using uh, describes it as orientation to disorientation to reorientation, and then we just go through the cycle over and over again. Yeah. Um, this is a familiar life pattern for people, um, and many times when we get it, when we get disoriented, and, and this is re- in regards to our walk with Jesus. So, yeah. um, I guess we should establish that as the pattern first. So, um, 
I'm sorry, dude. You're good. <laughs> Where is the... Let me get back to it. Go to like, right. So my thought right here, when I type this out, I'm really terrible at only typing out half of my thought, is that when we get dory- disoriented... We want to get back to what we were before. Like, that's our natural fleshly inclination is to go back to where we were, mm-hmm. where God is trying to, when we're disoriented, he's trying to use that disorientation to reorient us in a different direction. Okay. And that's gotcha. The, that's how the gospel plays into it. Okay. okay. Does that make sense? Let me, yeah, let me try this again. Okay. So I'm going to try it again from the top of the orientation thing. Okay, do it. Maybe. You may end up having to explain it at some point. <laughs> I can add a tidbit if I need to. Okay. So coming off so coming off of this idea of no sin is committed in a void of consequence, we get this pattern mm-hmm. of orientation um, to disorientation to reorientation. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we talk about our walk with Jesus, um, we well some we're oriented when we make a decision to follow Jesus. We are oriented to follow what he has called us to, uh, to be as much like him as possible. When we get disoriented, we sin, fall away, Mm -hmm. go back to, we want to go back to the way things were before we, you know, our flesh wants to pull us back to the way things were before we met Jesus. And then there's kind of a, a, a fork in the road, if you will, um, where we can either be reoriented to what God wants us to be, and God is trying to want God wants to pull us to reorient to mm-hmm. be more like Jesus, mm-hmm. or we will reorient ourselves, yeah, and and not walk with God and and go down that path. Yeah, I don't know if that's a great good. I don't know if I explained that good. No, so it, and I mean that's that's actually that's really good. And think think of what you just said, kind of in the context of sanctification. Um, you know, we we are we're saved. We're you kind of get this orientation toward Christ, and you still uh, because we're not completely sanctified and glorified immediately when we're saved. Mm-hmm. You still have this fleshly battle within you. That's what causes disorientation. Right. And then, and then the reorientation is God teaching you these lessons to get you turned back a little bit more towards him, towards the Father, towards the Son, and, and he uses the Spirit to do that. And so, yeah, that process is really a play out of the gospel. It's, it's a template of the gospel mm-hmm. on how God continually reorients us and we learn things and and you know you're not the same christian that you were five years ago i hope i hope you're not the right. same christian right um and so yeah that's a that's a great way to describe it because the the process of orientation disorientation and reorientation is really a, a an excellent way to think about the process of sanctification and in the midst of those three is where you have lament that can retune our hearts each time. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like this, you, you get to the other side of your struggle, you get to the other side of your um, your situation that you're going through, whatever it is, and you and you look back and you go, okay, I see exactly what God was doing in that situation now. You've learned, you've reoriented. The Spirit mm-hmm. of God has helped reorient you. And and I, I we said this last week, but it's it bears repeating. Lament is what can retune our hearts to what is really important. It invites us to reconsider what lies underneath our lives, what really matters. Mm-hmm. And so, the more you kind of are on this shifting reorientation, saying, and and I, I need to be careful with my words here because the gospel is not shifting sand at all. The gospel is the foundation, but. As far as our lives are concerned, we're being oriented to what the foundation needs to be. 
you know, I, I guess I think about it like Legos. If you turn Legos the wrong direction, they don't lock together. It's mm-hmm. not until you get them turned in the right direction that you lock into that that base, that foundation, and then you can continue continue to build the Legos up. Right. So, um, but yeah, this is where this is where lament is going to help us. This is where lament is going to lead us, and it's going to help Christians understand what really matters in their life. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, um, like last week in chapter one, there were really kind of three sections of Lamentations chapter two, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to break them up here um, and discuss them as we go. Yep. Um, so, the first section is verses one through nine of chapter two, and I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read those verses right here. Um, so that we kind of have a baseline for where we're going in the next uh, for the next few minutes. So, yep. um, from the HCSB Lamentations two verse one, here is what it says: um, How the Lord has overshadowed daughter Zion with His anger; He has thrown down Israel's glory from heaven to earth; He has abandoned His footstool in the day of His anger. Without compassion, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwellings of Jacob. In his wrath, he has demolished the fortified cities of daughter Judah. He brought them to the ground and defiled the kingdom and its leaders. He has cut off every horn of Israel in his burning anger and withdrawn his right hand in the presence of the enemy. He has blazed against Jacob like a flaming fire that consumes everything. He has bent his arrow like an enemy. His right hand is positioned like an adversary. He has killed everyone who was loved, pouring out his wrath like fire on the tent of daughter Zion. The Lord is like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He swallowed up all its palaces and destroyed its fortified cities. He has multiplied mourning and lamentation within daughter Judah. He has done violence to his temple as if it were a garden booth, destroying his place of meeting. The Lord has abolished appointed festivals and Sabbaths in Zion. He has despised king and priests in his fierce anger. The Lord has rejected his altar, repudiated his sanctuary. His, uh, sorry, I got the hard word right and messed up the easy one. Repudi- uh, repudiated his sanctuary. He has handed the walls of her palaces over to the enemy. They have raised a shout in the house of the Lord as on the day of an appointed festival. The Lord determined to destroy the wall of daughter Zion. He stretched out a measuring line and did not restrain himself from destroying. He made the ramparts and walls grieve. Together they waste away. And here's verse 9. Zion's gates have fallen to the ground. He has destroyed and shattered the bars on her gates. Her king and her leaders live among the nations. Instruction is no more. And even her prophets receive no vision from the Lord. So if chapter one opened the reader to the brokenness of the world and more specifically the brokenness of Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. chapter two so far has just expanded that like a hundredfold. Yes. And, and I would say it's rough. <laughs> yeah, um, we're not going to go through them all, but if you know, read read the chapter for yourself. But in verses one through nine, there are twenty nine action verbs attributed to God, and these are things like um, destroyed, shattered, um, determined to destroy, stretched out a measuring line, didn't restrain himself. Um, Rejected his altar, repudiated his sanctuary, handed the walls of her palaces over to the. And I'm just going like from the bottom back up, back up to the top, just scrolling back. Yeah. So I mean, he's God is mad. Yeah. He, <laughs> for for lack of better word, he, he is mad and he is unleashing wrath. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. This is this is this is unadulterated wrath. Is what this is. Um, and, and there's no question about this, like, it's not like a, maybe God's doing this, I mean, this, this is clearly, because these action verbs, these verbs that you're talking about, all of these are related to the work that God does, Mm -hmm. and so this is, uh, you know, even if he's using the enemies of Jerusalem 
to do this to to bring this destruction the ultimate attribution of this goes back to god right um and so it there there's no other way around it i i loved this quote that we had in the commentary that we're using i actually tried to find the original commentary so i could get a little bit more context of of what they said but i i didn't have a copy of it but um these first nine verses, this is the way uh, commentator Philip Graham Ryken describes the first nine verses of Lamentations 2. He says, What's amazing about these uh, losses was that they were all the Lord's doing. To be sure, they were the result of Judah's sin, or Ju- you can put Jerusalem there, Judah is the nation. But the reality still had to be faced. God had turned against his own people. He had not simply allowed his own city to be defeated. He had helped destroy it. In a strange twist in the Old Testament motif of the divine warrior, God was not fighting for his people, but rather against them. And, mm. and man, what, what a terrible place to find yourself in as the people of God. You're, the, you are God's chosen people, and the one who chose you is fighting against you. Yeah. You know. But, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it would be a terrible place to be, but they brought it on themselves. They did. They did. <laughs> they absolutely brought it on themselves. And, I mean, so so let's, you know, this is this is the Word of God. How do we, how do we apply this to our lives today? How do we, how do we make this fit? I don't, I don't want to, with scripture to make it fit into our lives, but what does this say to to us today? It says that God is going to bring wrath. God is going to bring judgment. And and if you've read Revelation, guess what? Judgment is coming. And so you need to heed the warnings because ultimately if you don't, you're gonna be in the same situation that Jerusalem finds themselves in here. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not talking about an ethnic nation like America, and we're going to hit on this later. This is this is words of warning for the church, is what this is, because in in the end, the church is the one that Christ came to Earth, died, rose again for His people. He rose again for for those that the Father would give Him, is what John tells us, mm-hmm. and so. If we're going to take this this verse and apply it, we don't apply it to a nation, an ethnic nation. We apply it to the people who are in Christ. And if we want to bring reproach on the name of Christ, then we should act like Israel does here in the Old Testament. But if we don't, then we need to learn and heed the warnings that the Old Testament gives us. So these nine verses are hard, but they're going to turn into the next 12 to 13 verses. Mm-hmm. And so let's look at verses 10 through 17. If if verses 1 through 9 told us about the rebuke of God, the wrath mm-hmm. of God, verses 10 through 17 tell us how that wrath hits us, what it, what it feels like, the sting of this rebuke. So I'm going to read verses 10 through 17. And I'm actually going to change it up. Normally I read in the ESV, but uh, I'm going to change it up this week, and I'm going to read from the CSB, which is much more similar to what Michael's reading from. Um, So this is verse 10 of Lamentations 2. It says, The elders of daughter Zion sit on the ground in silence. They have thrown dust on their heads and put on sackcloth. The young women of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. My eyes were worn out from weeping, I am churning within. My heart is poured out in grief because of the destruction of my dear people, because infants and nursing babies faint in the streets of the city. They cry out to their mothers, where is the grain and wine? They faint like the wounded in the streets of the city, and their life pours out in the arms of their mothers. What can I say on your behalf? What can I compare to you, daughter Jerusalem? What can I liken to you so that I may console you, virgin daughter Zion? For your ruin is vast as the sea. Who can heal you? Your prophets saw visions for you. They were empty and deceptive. They did not reveal your iniquity and so restore your fortunes. 
they saw pronouncements for you. They were empty and misleading. All who pass by scornfully clap their hands at you. They hiss and shake their heads at daughter Jerusalem. This is the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth. All your enemies open their mouths against you. They hiss and gnash their teeth, saying, We have swallowed her up. This is the day we have waited for. We have lived to see it. The Lord has done what he planned. He accomplished his decree, which he ordained from the days of old. He has demolished without compassion, letting the enemy gloat over you and exalting the horn of your adversaries." If verses 1 through 9 are everything that the Lord did, verses 10 through 17 is the effects of what he did. Yeah. I mean, this this is, in, in the midst of all of this destruction, it, it paints a picture that these people have brought this on themselves. This could have been avoided. Yeah. You know? The prophets were given to them. They could have listened to the prophets, but they didn't. So what happened? Their prophets became deceptive. Their prophets gave them things mm. that were not true. I mean, look, that's that's what verse 14 tells us. And so I think it's interesting, and, and we've talked about the who is the author of Lamentations. I, I think if there's any chapter that that definitely was written by Jeremiah, I think it's chapter 2. Because chapter yeah. two is is just I mean it's this it's it's almost like the writer is weeping and and that's what Jeremiah is called he's yeah. called the weeping prophet yeah and so you know you you read Jeremiah fifty two and then you roll into Lamentations and there's just I mean I I don't know I think Jeremiah wrote the whole thing but I can see it the other way but I, you know this is this is the writing of somebody who is in anguish yeah. They're they're struggling. They're I mean they're getting these words out. You've got babies giving up their life in their arms of their mother. I mean, I I don't know how to describe destruction any worse than this. Yeah, and then you 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 top all that off. You look at all the destruction of Jerusalem mm-hmm. that's happening within the city, and then you look at what's going on around the city and the people passing by or cities passing by or whatever are casting scorn on Jerusalem. Yeah. They're they're taking credit for this destruction that God is the one that has manifested. God God yeah. is the one that's brought this upon Jerusalem. Yeah. Um and, and this is this is a very very uh timely warning. Mm-hmm for um, how the church should respond to God in crisis situations. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If, If we find ourselves as a church fighting against the culture and seeing the culture come down on us, and, and I'm, I'm going to be very careful here, Maybe instead of fighting the culture, we need to look within. Mm. We need to address the things that are going on within the church. Because it very well could be that the reason culture is coming against us is because we have turned from what God has called us to be. Yeah. That's what Jerusalem had done, and the nations around Jerusalem turned on them. And and so, it, I I don't want to confuse and say give an application that to think that you know America this applies to America or anything like that. No, this is this is about the church, the people of God is what this is mm-hmm. about. You know, Israel, Judah was God's chosen people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And, and I don't want to be accused of replacement theology because I'm not saying replacement theology here, but what I am saying is that what the story of the Old Testament shows us is that God's chosen people, when they did not obey, they suffered consequences. What the yeah. New Testament tells us is that when God's chosen people don't obey, there will be consequences. Yeah. 
and so the the story is the same. The people might be different, but the story is the same. And for all of those who are in Christ, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, yeah, your ethnicity has nothing to do with it. It's whether you're in Christ. And when we quit being the representation that the scriptures have given us to be, we are turning against what God has called us to be. Hmm. And so in the in this story, this could have been avoided. Yeah, it could have been. But because they continued in their sin, that really I mean that makes the sting of this even worse. Oh yeah, I mean cuz <laughs> I mean they I mean hindsight's always 2020, 20, right? Mm-hmm. So they're in the destruction, they're in the turmoil, in the pain and the suffering and they're listening or remembering back to when they were warned that they needed to repent and get back to God and they as a city chose not to um, and brought about the destruction of of their home yeah it's so it's the destruction that verse 15 when it when it talks about the city, it's the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth. So they've gone from the perfection of beauty to complete and total annihilation, mm-hmm. all at the hand of God. And is there any indication? That, and maybe a little off topic. Is there any any indication as to what the time frame is? Um, I know it was fast. When, when it happened, it was fast. Okay. Uh, I mean, Jeremiah, most of Jeremiah is a warning. That's why Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. The, the majority of Jeremiah is a warning book. Um, and then 52 basically recounts the destruction. And so you have 51 chapters of getting ready, and then chapter 52 is like, oh, boom. It's, you know, it's essentially like when the U.S. dropped a, a bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It was gotcha. like, hey, uh, if you guys don't stop, we're going to hurt you. And then all of a sudden, boom, we just killed half your population. So, you know, we did that. <laughs> okay. I was just curious. Yeah. I, 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 you know. So we've, we, we have this destruction, and, and we know that this, this situation here, Judah is the chosen people of God. Let's dive into these last verses. How, mm-hmm. are, how are we to respond? Read these last verses for us. So we can we can kind of put a bow on this chapter. Yeah. So here here's we're responding to God's rebuke here, um, verses eighteen through twenty two, again from the Holman Christian Standard. Um, the hearts of the people cry out to the Lord. Wall of daughter Zion, let your tears run down like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief and your no relief and your eyes no rest. Arise, cry out in the night from the first watch of the night. Pour out your heart like water before the Lord's presence. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who are fainting from hunger on the corner of every street. Lord, look and consider who you have done this to. Should women eat their own children, the infants they have nurtured? Should priests and prophets be killed in the Lord's sanctuary? Both young and old are lying on the ground in the streets. My young men and women have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of your anger, slaughtering without compassion. You summoned my attackers on every side, as if for an appointed festival day. On the day of the Lord's anger, no one escaped or survived. My enemy has destroyed those I nurtured and reared. That's a pretty emotional plea for the mm-hmm. for the end of the book. Or for the end, not the book, the end of the chapter. It's like somebody is on their knees begging mm-hmm. for something different to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it really paints this picture that God is not this, like, what, what a deist would call basically an impersonal force. Mm-hmm. But God is a personal being that is here in our process with us he's he's here yeah. lamenting you know he's in the lament with us that's what verse 18 starts off with the hearts of the people cry out to the lord mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> in this process of lamenting 
this prayer in the midst of destruction, these last four verses really show us this whole entire process get played out that, that yep. Vrogop has has painted for us. You're turning in prayer. You're complaining. I mean, verse 19 is nothing but complaining. Mm-hmm. You know, um, lift up your heads to him for the lives of your children who are fainting from hunger at the head of every street. The infants they have nurtured should priests and prophets be killed in the Lord's sanctuary. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're calling out things that are bad. You're complaining about the situation that they're in. Yeah. And and they're and they're asking, they're they're saying all of this stuff boldly before God as if as if they're expecting an answer from him. But yeah. but in the end they're going to trust God. You summon those who are on every side as if you appointed the festival day. And in the end, their their trust is ultimately in God. And next week, we're going to see Lamentations chapter three is going to paint this picture of hope that we haven't seen before mm-hmm. in this book yet. And so, yeah. you know what what a what an encouraging way to close out the chapter. What an encouraging way to to finish it up and say basically here's this process again. See yeah. the process of lament, but. Let's get through. What are some take-home thoughts? What can we say about this that that help us as Christians take this home and apply it to our lives? So there's really, I think, I I've, I pulled out three really main thoughts here. Mm-hmm. Um, Israel as a nation is very unique. Yep. Um, there's no other nation like Israel, and there will never be another nation like Israel. There's nothing that compares. Um, mm-hmm. To have a nation that is picked by God to be God's people, mm-hmm. like, I love the country I live in. I love being an American. Greatest, his, like, it's a great place to live. Yes. It does not compare to Israel and America will not be around forever. No. And as believers, we have to come to grips with that and put our faith in Jesus above our faith in our republic. Yes. Um, but um, as as gentle Christians, as non-Jewish tradition, as non-traditional Jewish, I don't know how to put it, as as Gentiles. Um, <laughs> We can know that we are brought into the nation of Israel and found our mercy before God. Yeah, we we can we can have that trust. We can mm-hmm. we can trust and have that faith in that. Yes. Um, the second thing is that the ways of God are higher than ours. Um, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, we and it should be comforting to know that we were not created with the capacity with the capacity to understand. Everything that happens in the world, yeah. Shoot, we—I don't understand. I don't have the capacity to understand everything that happens to me every single day. Like I don't understand the why on some of the stuff that I have to have yeah. that I go through. So much less like the much bigger picture. So, um, but God's ways are higher than ours, and sometimes we're not meant to know. Yeah, I mean. Yes, Jerusalem was destroyed because of their sin, but the question I'm sure is why. Yeah, like, like why did they have? Why did it have to be that way? Other than God warned them and then they didn't obey. Yeah. So God, God followed through. Yeah. And it's important to understand that that the nation of Israel is an example for the church. They are mm, a unique yeah. situation, but they're they're also an example. Yeah. And. It's something that we, as Christians, as New Testament Christians, can learn from. Yeah. You know, we can learn from the example um, of the Old Testament, and we can learn from the example of the early church. Yeah. You know? Um, Because in the end, God is going to instruct us using his word. He has revealed himself through his word, and he's going to instruct us. And, And so... Yeah. The ways of God are higher than our ways. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then the third and final thought, I think, is that God specifically has warned, he warned churches in the New Testament Mm -hmm. that he reacts in um, demonstrable ways to disobedience. Yes. Um, Read the Revelations. (laughs) Well, the whole book of Revelations, yes. Or Revelation. Revelation. The single Revelation or the book of Revelation. Um, but but like in Acts five, he literally killed Ananias and Sapphira for lying about like yeah. their disobedience and lying about their gift. God said, "Okay, bye." And, and then, um, bye, Felicia. And then there, I, I don't know where the reference is, but um, there was another part, in, another point in the New Testament where there is a threat of illness and death, even for those who take the Lord's Supper without discernment. Yeah. And so, God's not. Um, God has not said that disobedience can go unpunished. Yeah. And I mean, the whole book of Lamentations is an example yeah. of that. <laughs> so. Yep. Yep. And then you, I mean, you have the seven churches in in Revelation chapter two and three that serve an example of of. Mm-hmm. Uh, how churches should be today and and so don't you know if you're gonna identify yourself with a church understand what the consequences are because god is going to bring his wrath and it will be swift and it will be fierce yep so you got to be ready for it that's right man lamentations 2 is a hard chapter it's a hard chapter Dude. to digest I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of down after all this. <laughs> well, it's a good place to, to kind of button it up for tonight. Um, I realize it's a it's a down chapter, but but uh, just know that hope is coming. Um, I can't, oh man, I wish I could remember the verse. You know, you're going to make it through the night, joy comes in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. though your enemies are standing at your door and know that the joy comes in the morning, the steadfast love of the Lord is is still good and faithful. Yep. So, amen to that. And uh, Michael, yes, if they wanted to reach us on social media, where would they reach us at? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beers and Bible P one. You can follow us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast. You can email us at beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also visit our website, beersandbiblepodcast.com. Reach out to us on any of the social media platforms or the email. If you have any questions about anything we've discussed or any beer suggestions that you would like for us to review on a future episode of the podcast. Um, And then also you can check out our website and pick up some B&B merch and represent the podcast wherever you may go with hats or t-shirts or stickers or water bottle or whatever else we've got i don't even remember all the stuff we have there so yes but there you go well until next week we hope your beer stays cold and your bible stays open and we will see you later peace out